today on The Exam Room. The study was a good study. It was published in the Journal of the American Heart Association, and they included a lot of married couples in the US, in the UK, and in China and in India. And the bottom line is that they did find quite a lot of what they call concordance, meaning that one spouse has high blood pressure, the other spouse has high blood pressure. And then the next question is, well, wait a sec, how much of that is because one spouse is kind of subverting the other or drawing the other into unhealthy habits or whatever? And I think there are a couple of things that are working. That can happen where you'll have one spouse brings home the ice cream, which you wish they didn't, or they uh, insist on going to eat out at a place where there's nothing healthy to eat. Th that can happen. But I think that that's not all there is to it. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for joining us as we raise health IQs coast to coast and around the world in great cities like Little Rock, Arkansas, Vancouver, Washington, and Sueon, South Korea. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 17 of season 7, number 516 overall. So here is an all too familiar scenario. You wanna lose weight. You want to lose weight, but your significant other wants to stay married to the sofa with a large pizza and a big bag of chips. And that alone, that alone can have a massive effect on your health. So how much of an impact and to what extent? And is that really the end of your healthy dreams before they can even begin? Well, we are about to find out. Let's start with some facts. If your husband, your wife, your significant other is obese, your risk of obesity jumps by nearly 40% according to studies. And a separate study of nearly 2,000 people finds that about one in four blame their partner for derailing at least one diet. They say they just couldn't take it when their partner would indulge in sweet treats and fatty foods in front of them. It caused their willpower to crumble and their healthy hopes to be dashed. But today, we're gonna to be looking a little bit deeper because a new study finds that the ramifications extend well beyond just the number on the scale. We're gonna be looking into the broader scope of health. And in fact, the study we're gonna be talking about shows that if your partner has high blood pressure, there's a better than good chance you will too. And talking about these findings with us today is Dr. Neil Barnard, a New York Times bestselling author whose new book, The Power Foods Diet, is available for pre-order right now. He is here with tips to keep you on track no matter what temptations may be lurking in your house. Also on the way today, the Power Foods Focus. We're going to be talking about ways to boost your metabolism, rev up your body for change so that you can achieve weight loss and health goals no matter what obstacles are in your path. Plus, questions from exam roomies. And as a reminder, you can join us live on YouTube and Facebook every Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Drop your question into the doctor's mailbag, or you can send them to me ahead of time. Instagram, X, Facebook, across the board. I am at Chuck Carroll 
WLC. So let's get into this. An interesting conversation today. The spouse health effect. More science of love in the month of love with Dr. Barnard. He joins us now from the exam room live. Always good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Chuck. So this topic, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a little bit nervous about Dr. Barnard because I certainly do not want to offend anybody. I don't want anybody to question their relationships, but I do feel like there is enough smoke here to talk about maybe this fire that's burning when you have somebody who really wants to get fit and wants to get healthy, but their significant other, the love of their life, just doesn't share that same interest. This can put somebody in quite the conundrum, can it? It's a huge issue because just as you said, Chuck, um, it's not just a question of, well, I want to lose some weight, but my, my partner's holding me back. It's life-threatening issues like hypertension. And that's what this new study really looked at. So what, I mean, my goodness gracious, let's talk about this study as a matter of fact. Why don't we just jump right in there? Because I would assume that in most households, everybody's kind of eating the same breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And is that alone going to be the reason why these researchers found that the risk of hypertension jumps if one person has it, the other person's likely to have that same hypertension? It's part of the reason, but it's not the whole reason. Um, the study was a good study. It was published in the Journal of the American Heart Association, and they included a lot of married couples in the US, in the UK, and in China, and in India. And uh, in a minute that we'll, we'll kind of see why it was useful to look across culture. But the bottom line is that they did find quite a lot of what they call concordance, meaning that one spouse has high blood pressure, the other spouse has high blood pressure. Um, and the, then the next question is, well, wait a sec, how much of that is because one spouse is kind of subverting the other or drawing the other into unhealthy habits or whatever? And I think there are a couple of things that are working. That can happen where you'll have one spouse brings home the ice cream, which you wish they didn't, or they uh, insist on going to eat out at a place where there's nothing healthy to eat. Th that can happen. But I think that that's not all there is to it. Because uh, about two years ago, JAMA Network Open released a, a fascinating study where very similarly, they looked at couples and then they looked at concordance in health issues. But they, the couples they looked at were newlyweds. And what they found is that there was a lot of the same concordance in people who hadn't lived together yet. And what their conclusion was, we tend to pick people who have habits kind of like ours, who are dealing with the same issues. So we might want to point the finger of blame at them, but the fact is they're like us and we picked them that way. So that's part of it. And the third thing, let's just face it, this is America. And in America now, People have high blood pressure. People are overweight because we're living in a toxic food culture that has gotten worse and worse over time. You know what I mean? More fatty foods in the diet, more dairy products, more cheese. Uh, and the supersizing of America is a real thing. So you see hypertension in both members of the couple, but simply because it's really, really common. So that plus who we choose, plus this icing on the cake of sometimes one does conspire against the other. Those are real. So uh, obviously hypertension largely out of control here in the U.S. How does that compare to England and China and India, which were also part of this study? Oh, okay. Thank you for coming back to that. Um, here's the really important thing. It looked like there was some concordance in the U.S., but actually much more 
in particularly in China and in India. And the reason the uh, researchers believe is because unlike the US where people are not necessarily totally enmeshed, he might be eating at his office, she might be eating at her office. Um, in China and India, there was much more communality of people eating in the same place, some often working in the same place, being very much uh, uh, a, a much greater effect than we see here. And how do the diets, specifically, I'm thinking about China and India, the traditional diets there, how do they compare to what it is that we're eating here in the U.S.? Is it a lot of ultra-processed, high-fat foods? Changing rapidly over time. Um, in China, uh, call it 25 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe even more recently than that, much more plant-based than it is today. The economic changes in China have been such so that the population is able to eat more meat, particularly pork. You're aware that uh, China now owns Smithfield, the, the pork uh, producer, slaughterhouse here in the United States. Um, and so that change has not been a good one for China. Environmentally, it's been a disaster. Health-wise, it's been a disaster, an even bigger disaster. From the standpoint of the animals, they're not happy about it either. Um, in India, we're seeing a similar course, although India started out with uh, particularly in northern India, a more dairy focus, uh, somewhat less in southern India. That has continued, but what has happened in the past, I'm going to say, 20 years or so, is you'll see Pizza Hut and you'll see McDonald's in Delhi and Mumbai and, and, and places that never had any such thing uh, before. So this westernization of the Indian diet has made things even worse. Uh, okay, so... Obviously, we're we're beginning to see the influence of of the American diet in other parts of the world. But you know, as you said, there there are some commonalities when it comes to relationships in terms of you know a lot of people eating the same types of foods, and therefore I can't imagine that it is unique to the U.S. Uh, where one person will want to get healthy in the new year, capitalize on the new year new you craze, and the other person just has zero interest whatsoever. Um, that alone can be very deflating for a lot of people who have shared that with me privately. I wonder what advice you might have just from a practical standpoint for that person so that they can move forward and achieve their health goals while the other person may not quite yet be ready to make those same changes. I think there are a number of things that we can do. Um, the, the, the bad part about being together is that we influence each other. But the good part of being together is that we influence each other. So what that means is, let's say you have a spouse who's not ready to get there. Um, let's use the word. There are addictive issues that are here. And when you're dealing with ad addictive issues, they can be in couples. And sometimes one gets ready to, to say, I've had enough. And the other isn't quite at that point. And then blame and all these other issues come in in a kind of toxic way very often. I often find that number one, Put on your own mask before helping somebody else. Help get, make sure that you're dealing with your own health issues and, and eat the foods that get you where you need to go. That's number one. Number two, stock the fridge, stock the shelves with the foods you want to eat. This means you may not have been the, the person who's been doing the shopping before. You're going to be that person now. You may not have been the person who cooks breakfast, but you're going to be that person now. Seize control of the kitchen. Get some orange traffic cones, put them all around the kitchen door. Don't let anybody in there because you're the only competent person who can actually cook. I'm halfway kidding. But what I mean is if you are buying healthy foods and you're not buying unhealthy things um, and you are preparing meals 
and you're the one in charge of that. If somebody else says, oh, I, I'd rather make something else, they, they can do that. That's fine. You know, they're not your employee. They, and so they, they're, they can be free to do what they want. But if you're providing healthy foods, that can allow people to, first of all, take advantage of it. Secondly, to adjust their tastes, which is what happens. They come to find things they like, and you're going to have a really good influence on them over time. Yeah, you know, and and it can be tough to be in that position. I don't want to sugarcoat it and make it sound like, oh, it's as easy as that. Um, there, you know, you, you want to be supported. You want to do things as a unit. You want to do things as a team. But you can't let somebody else's decisions dictate what it is that you need to accomplish for yourself. Um, case in point, you know, there are people who live in this house uh, with my wife and I who very much do not subscribe to eating a healthy diet and uh, instead, you know, very much are content to heat up TV dinners or, you know, Uber Eats or something like that, which is jarring. But at the end of the day, it's their decision. And there's a certain amount of resolve that a person needs to have uh, for themselves. Um, to be able to continue down that healthier road that they want to march down or drive down. Um, and it can be done. I never want to paint the picture that it, it cannot be done. I like the way that you put it as far as taking control in the kitchen, because I think that that is step number one. And then that really puts the onus on the other person to make a decision for themselves. So um, it kind of almost takes the pressure off of you who's trying to get healthy because you've already said this is the way that it's going to be. You're welcome to do something differently, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm happy to cook for you if you're willing to eat it. If not, you know, there are other things that you can do, but I got to do this for now. There's also something that I call the bossiness gene, um, or I might also call it the cheerleader gene. You, you have seen this. Um, you remember when Christy Funk, you knew, uh, Christy Funk, the brilliant cancer, breast cancer surgeon who has, who has been here on the exam room um, and has done wonderful things about the food side and the lifestyle side of reducing breast cancer risk. She tells the story about when she realized that a plant-based diet was the way to go to reduce breast cancer risk. What did she do? She and her husband, Andy, had three kids, the triplets, and the kids are um, something like nine years old. And she explains to the kids, she brings them down to the refrigerator and she opens it and says, kids, we're going to become vegan. We are vegan now. And the kids all go, great. That's wonderful. Hooray. We're vegan. What's vegan? <laughs> In other words, her own enthusiasm and her, her desire to just communicate this as something we are doing in a kind of loving way said, this is the way it is. And so then it's just a question of active exploration of it. So um, some people feel, uh, no, no, I've got to be more diplomatic. Um, kids, would you be willing to go vegan? I don't really want to push you, da, 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 da. And uh, with Christy Funk, it was, uh, uh this is what we're doing. And so there are a lot of families who say, my kids aren't going to bring drugs in the house. They're not going to smoke cigarettes in the house. If you're eight years old and the cigarettes come in, they are going out. You just set rules and you don't worry about it because you know, you have no doubt you're right. When it becomes, when it comes to food, we're more tentative about it because we've adopted this kind of newly ourselves. And we, and you don't have a huge long family tradition. You don't have the law. You don't have other things backing you up. It's a decision you're making. And a lot of parents are kind of tentative about it. And we're tentative with spouses too. But um, Chuck, I got to tell you, you know, Mary Morgan, who was Benjamin Spock's wife, uh, Benjamin Spock, the brilliant uh, pediatrician who wrote Baby and Child Care, the biggest selling book of all time, uh, uh, other than the Bible, uh, for years and years and years and years. Uh, Mary Morgan was his wife. 
And um, then Spock, later in life, developed some pretty serious health problems and went to see a health expert who said, throw out the meat, throw out the cheese. You got to get your health back. And, and he did. And with Mary's support, he followed a healthy diet and he did really well. So anyway, Mary tells the story about how Ben, who was quite a connoisseur of everything, I mean, impeccably dressed, brilliant taste, he would go to the store and he would get some little bit of blue cheese or something like that and put it in the refrigerator because he just couldn't resist. And then maybe a day or so later, Ben would call out to Mary, Mary, where's that cheese that I put in the refrigerator here? And Mary would say, Ben, I loved you too much. I threw it away. And so in other words, she wanted him to be healthy and she was not putting up with him hurting himself and eating unhealthy foods. And she just took the reins and she would take that bad food and throw it in the trash. But it was done but with so much love that he just couldn't fight it. Now, not everybody has a relationship where you can let that bossiness cheerleader gene come in and have you run the show. But for those families who do, where you find a positive way, like, like you're the coach who sees the Olympic athlete, the Olympic champion in everybody around you, and you know they can do it, and you're cheering them to eat the healthiest diet they can, and you never feel bad about it. They, uh, when people can really turn that on, they do so well, because you're not taking guilt and bringing that into it. You're bringing encouragement and love into it. Let's say somebody starts out on a healthier life for themselves. The spouse at that point is a little bit reluctant to follow suit, but what are the odds that that person is kind of being watched? And even though they may be digging their heels in a little bit and just give me my cheese, give me my meat, you know, what are the odds though that over time, as they start to see the way that their spouse, their loved one is evolving, they'll sit up a little bit taller and start paying closer attention and then eventually begin to make some changes for themselves down the line. I think that that happens. And the other thing is, is you, you've laid out what's important to you. And it could be for many reasons. It can be for your health or many people who become vegan, they do it for compassionate reasons. And they find it harder and harder to see a spouse who's frankly uh, patronizing uh, rather cruel industries. And so all, all these things take on an important life. Or if the couple has children, and then you look at your kids and you look at the world that our kids are in, and you look at the huge benefit that a child who's raised on a plant-based diet has compared to the kids who are raised on the typical food in America. So all these things can, can, can really uh, be part of the equation. All right, let's go ahead and open up the doctor's mailbag. We have a lot of people right now writing in, asking questions about this. We were talking about the connection between obesity risk jumping up if one spouse is obese. Uh, we have the same thing we were talking about, the hypertension study, same thing there. Well, Taylor is wondering if one spouse has cancer, is the other spouse also more likely to have cancer? Oh, what a great question. Um, the answer is actually no, uh, not really. Um, for some obvious reasons, if one spouse has a prostate, the other spouse is not going to have a prostate typically. Um, uh, breast cancer, similarly. You, you, so, so there are differences just based on anatomy. Um, but then you, there are things that could be commonalities like colorectal cancer, digestive tube cancers, something like that. But by and large, we're not seeing a lot of commonality with regard to cancer. Same question. Okay. Same question when it comes to heart disease from Taylor. Could we also see some uh, similarities there? Yes, uh, unlike cancer, we do. Um, and not just heart disease, but all the things that lead up to it. We talked about hypertension already. There is uh, what we call concordance, where you see it more in 
in a spouse if the other spouse has it. Uh, you see the same thing with cholesterol. You see it with, with total cholesterol. You see it with, uh, with good cholesterol. You see it with LDL or bad cholesterol. You see it with triglycerides. So for some reason, it's, it's as if you've been studying off somebody else's cholesterol test, uh, that you do see some concordance there. And what we assume is happening is because we're eating the same groceries, we're eating the same meals. All right. It sounds like Colleen might be in a situation similar to what it is you and I have been talking about here. She says, my husband eats a lot of saturated fat, but his cholesterol is normal. Do you think he's okay? Well, first of all, it's good as cholesterol is normal. That, that's a good thing. Um, cholesterol can be quite variable. And there are people, particularly if they're on the younger end of the spectrum, where they're, they're eating not such a healthy diet, but their cholesterol hasn't really started inching up yet. That can happen. But is he okay? I there are lots of risks to unhealthful foods, even if the foods aren't spiking the cholesterol. Case in point, saturated fat, the fat that's in dairy, the fat that's in meat that is what raises cholesterol, it doesn't just do that, it also raises the risk of Alzheimer's disease. So you might have a lower cholesterol, but be at a higher risk of brain disease, and also over the long run, it's very likely that the high saturated fat that he's eating, presumably from dairy and meat, may well show up on his cholesterol test, also at higher risk for things like diabetes. So it's a sign that hopefully he'll get on a more healthful dietary path. And, and when he does, he'll have you to thank for it. All right. Now let's talk about uh, salads here. Salad dressing, as a matter of fact, from Spunky. You know, you go and you want to lose weight. You know, a lot of people want it's the first meal that they eat is going to be a salad. So Spunky is wondering about salad dressing. They say, I struggle the most when it comes to homemade salad dressing. Being Italian, I grew up using oil and vinegar. Do you have suggestions for something that may taste as good, but is a lot healthier? Ah, uh, well... The, the best substitute for oil and vinegar is vinegar and vinegar. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, but, but well, first of all, go to a restaurant, ask them to serve you the, their, their Italian dressing, have them put it in a dish and then look at it, spoon in it. And what you will see is if there are uh, herbs and things, they're all in the bottom because they're, they're in the vine vinegar section. The oil is all floating at the top. And what you discover is there's a massive amount of oil in there that if you just poured it onto your, to your salad, it's a huge number of calories. So getting it on the side is a good idea at a restaurant. But what you'll discover is the flavorful part, the most flavorful part is in the different vinegars. Try different ones. So for an Asian flavor, a seasoned rice vinegar is delicious. Or how about a balsamic? vinegar, something like that. There are many different kinds. If you haven't done this in a while, go look at the vinegar aisle. And there's a glaze aisle right next to it at the grocery store. And these are things that you can put on salads. You can put them on vegetables. Try different ones. You'll see they're great. Uh, Bragg's is at the health food store. It's a spray. It goes well on salads. You can mix it with some seasoned rice vinegar um, or just lemon juice. And at any restaurant, get a, a, or in your home, Get, get some lemons or maybe some limes and spritz them on the salad. It creates a really nice flavor. And as time goes on, your taste buds will change. You've got, oh, two or three weeks for your taste buds to learn a, a new set point. They have a set point for sweet, a set point for salt, and a set point for fat. And you can bring it down. The way to bring it down is to just say to your, your taste buds, 
this is the new rule, and you'll come to not want your foods all soaking and greasy. All right, let's talk about peanut butter. For a lot of us, that is a struggle. I mean, for me, peanut butter can be as tempting as Taco Bell, as Pizza Hut, as anything. And Mary is wondering, Dr. Barnard, what your thoughts are on peanut powder, like PB2, which she says is 82% fat-free. Ah, okay. Well, actually, I'm going to say it's about time. I think it was a, a good product because peanut butters, theoretically, they're fine if they're if the ingredient in them is peanuts. <laughs> grind the peanuts up, you can spread it. But so many of the commercial brands, they're not happy with that. They grind up the peanuts and then they mix in palm oil. If you don't believe me, read the labels or hydrogenated oils. And so that makes it more creamy, but it, you know, it can really cause your cholesterol level to go up or they add a bunch of sugar to it. But the PB2, and it's not the only one, there are competitors too. What they've done is they've defatted it. There's all the taste, but, uh, the, the fat is largely gone and it's very convenient. Uh, you may find it not in the peanut butter aisle though. You may see it over in the baking aisle. Should we be concerned that that's an overly processed food? We're hearing buzzwords now about ultra processing and now we're talking about defatting peanuts and turning them into powder. Sounds like processing to me. So where do we really want to draw that line in terms of our health? Wherever we're drawing the line, I think PB2 is inside the line. Because um, what are you doing? You're taking a fatty, when nature made peanuts, nature put them inside a shell. And that meant you could only eat so many of them because it took a long time to get. And they weren't all salted up and so forth. And so it was kind of a job. But nowadays, peanuts are so readily accessible that if we want to have them, uh, I think these companies have done a good thing by taking the, away the fat. So that way you can use them. You can get that flavor. You can put it on your, your toast or your bread without, uh, without anywhere near the calorie dose. All right. The Power Foods, uh, the Power Foods focus coming up here in just a little bit, but let's grab two more questions from the mailbag here. And Tammy wants us to go back to talk about uh, the relationship dynamic when it comes to getting healthy. She's a little bit concerned that this could be a delicate conversation when you first bring it up. And she's wondering, are there ways to encourage healthier eating habits with a spouse without making them feel judged or criticized? They're going to feel judged. They're going to feel criticized because they want it. They, they want your good wishes. Um, so it happens. But but I, I think, yes, I, I think it's it's a good thing to bring these up in as loving a way as we possibly can. And and we're going to you, you can also do it nonverbally just by having the things that and serving the things uh, in your own home that are, are best for everybody. The other thing is, what are the issues that really matter? Uh, for example, if a person wants to lose weight, uh, Getting away from animal products, that matters. Keeping oily foods really low, that matters. The sugar content of their diet probably doesn't matter that much. Um, and there are a lot of other issues. Is it organic or not organic? Is it natural or not natural? Those things may not matter so much. So you might want to pick your battles a little bit there. Um, when you're eating out at restaurants, uh, if you pick the best restaurant, which you can do um, lovingly without a lot of hoo-ha, uh, what you may discover is they're going to do a lot of the work for you. So for example, if you go to a sushi bar and then you have all the vegan choices there, nothing is really high in fat. You have the cucumber roll, asparagus roll, sweet potato roll, a million choices. And so it's easier for your spouse to, uh, to pick something healthy. Um, if you leave all the choices up to your spouse and they pick the burger joint, it may not be so good. 
Definitely hard. But uh, but picking the burger joint, have you seen, I forget which fast food chain it is now, literally is beginning to sell the salad burger. I believe this is only over in Europe, where it is quite literally a hamburger minus the beef patty or any sort of veggie patty. It's literally lettuce, tomato, all the veggies you want in between that bun. It sounds kind of funny. It honestly does. I saw that and I laughed at first, but then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? You slap a little hummus on that as opposed to ketchup. I think that you're in pretty good shape. You can do the very same thing at Burger King. Go in there and say, I want a, the, the, the vegan Whopper. Um, and they'll put all the other ingredients on it, the lettuce, the tomato, uh, the dressing, or you can say leave the dressing off. And it's kind of a salad sandwich, but it gives you all the taste and uh, a lot less of the regret. Salad sandwich. That just sounds funny to me. All right. Final question goes to Charlotte. This is a good one. Say your spouse is just, again, not quite ready to make the change when you are fired up and ready to go. But nonetheless, you want to go, but you're worried about temptation in the house. So Charlotte's question is, what steps can we take to minimize that temptation and create an environment that does ultimately then encourage healthier choices? It's always good at least once to have the conversation with a spouse or the other family members of what your goals are for yourself. You could say, for example, I've got X amount of weight that I wanna lose, or I really wanna be healthier, or I don't wanna have what happened to my father happen to me, and I'd like your help. It's, there are gonna be times where I'm tempted. Can you help me with those times? Um, and whatever help that they're gonna give you is gonna not only help you to stay on the straight and narrow, but it kind of helps them too, to want to be supportive of you. Now, if for whatever reason they are not so supportive and they want to bring all kinds of unhealthy foods in, you can always say, for this shelf, I'd like to have none of those things there that are going to tempt me. For these shelves, these are your shelves. Um, and that can be in the refrigerator, that can be in the cupboards too. We already talked about choosing restaurants, which can, can help enormously. And do the shopping yourself. Uh, have have yourself be in charge of the shopping to the extent you can. Don't buy unhealthy things. Just because they ask for it, you don't have to buy it. Um, and if you're the one who is doing the shopping, doing the food preparation as much as you possibly can, even though it's a little more work, even though you might have to get up a little earlier, um, when you are controlling the kitchen, everybody's going to benefit. Absolutely. And I'll tell you something, there's something to be said for having your own shelves, having your own cabinets. Um, it just makes a world of difference. And that's a technique that I employ to this day. Again, you know, talking about my wife and I, you know, with her, her dad living with us, you know, not always having the healthiest foods here, you know, there's uh, part of the shelves that look like a 7-Eleven, and then there's the healthy oasis. And so, you know, I just really try to separate those two things like their church and state. And so I just know right to go to that healthier side of things. And that temptation then is becomes almost out of sight, out of mind. Um, 14 years in, I'm not sure that it's quite the same struggle that it would have been in year one. Um, but I never want to be cocky because I honestly, in my heart of hearts, believe that anybody can be caught on just the wrong day under just the right circumstances and undo a lot of progress. So um, separating the two things can do you a world of good. But I want to conclude today's show, Dr. Barnard, by doing the Power Foods Focus, which I'm so pumped up for the Power Foods Diet, your next book, which comes out on March 26th. The Power Foods Focus can't talk about weight loss without talking about metabolism and metabolism boosting effects. What do you cover in terms of metabolism boosting effects in the book? Yeah, metabolism boosting is the third and maybe the most important of the three things that foods will do. In the Power Foods diet, we talk about 
foods that are natural appetite tamers, foods that are calorie trappers, meaning they stop you from being able to absorb calories that, you, that you've eaten. But the third category is what you just mentioned, Chuck, the metabolism boosters. And we, this is something we discovered back the first time in 2005, where we brought in a group of women, 64 women. They were all after the age of menopause. They'd done every diet you can imagine. And what we showed is that with by getting away from animal fats, keeping oils really low, not only did they lose weight, roughly a pound a week, week after week after week, but we showed that their metabolism was actually slightly higher than it was before. For about three or four hours after every meal, they were burning calories substantially faster. Not, not huge, but about a 15% jump in their calorie burn, which, which is significant. And then we did a study, uh, another study with our friends at Yale University confirmed exactly the same thing. So the, the first thing is when people get away from fatty foods, animal fats and vegetable oils, and they focus on foods that are high in healthy carbohydrates and fiber, you see this boost in metabolism that is only due to the fact that their insulin resistance is going away. Their insulin sensitivity is better. So they're, they're, what that means in simple terms is the nutrients get into the muscle cells. They are burned. You're releasing some of that energy as body heat. You cannot store it as fat. Very quick, very easy. A low-fat vegan diet gets you there. But there are certain foods that go beyond that. And one of them is cinnamon, which is an interesting thing. It has a special compound that researchers didn't know what to call it. So they called it cinnamaldehyde. You know, they're not very creative, but that was the name they came up with. Um, so it's an aldehyde that's cinnamon derived. Cinnamaldehyde goes down your digestive tract and it hits this, uh, there's uh, a receptor in your digestive tract called TRPA1. The cinnamaldehyde grabs a hold of it, attaches, and it turns on your body's natural adrenaline machinery, or the other word is epinephrine, norepinephrine. So the uh, your metabolism ramps up a little bit extra. And the effects are significant. Researchers have found that over a 16-week period, uh, with about a teaspoon added of cinnamon per day, the weight the weight loss is close to eight pounds uh, over about 16 weeks. So this is the metabolism boosting effect. It comes from a clean diet, but certain foods get you there a little bit faster. And one last one, Chuck, if you don't mind. Uh, go to your nearest Mexican restaurant, and they've got hot peppers all over the place. And you put one of these hot peppers on your tongue and you feel like it's not just your tongue that's hot, you're sweating. You put a, a, a temperature gauge on the person's forehead. Researchers have done this. And you discover that you actually are emitting body heat faster. And so what we found is that there are compounds uh, in the capsaicin group that have the same metabolism boost. You'll read all about it in the Power Foods Diet and how to do it without burning your tongue in delicious recipes that uh, Dustin Harder and Lindsay Nixon put together. Yeah, I would love to hear more about that. I can't imagine that eating a handful of ghost peppers is a great way to lose <laughs> weight. Um, you know, but maybe maybe just a little taste, a little dabble, do you, as they used to say back in the day. I can't wait for that. So March 26th, the Power Foods Diet comes out, but you can pre-order your copy right now. So it is delivered to your house on that very day, my friend. There's a link to do that right now in the episode notes. And oh, by the way, if you happen to be in the Washington, D.C. area or you feel like taking a trip to the nation's capital, join us on March 26th because uh, you, myself, Dr. Barnard, we're going to be hanging out at the National Press Club and we're going to be bringing in Chef Dustin Harder, who was instrumental in creating a lot of the recipes that were in the book. 
he did such a brilliant job with it. Um, he, along with Lindsay Nixon, came up with beautiful recipes that they, they are from convenience foods for people who don't like to cook, easy foods for people who like to cook. And if you've got a big party coming over, we have some elegant recipes too. But what brings them all together is that they all have the effect of promoting weight loss. They are all power foods. All right, so stay tuned for ticket information. But one thing that you can do right now is to pre-order your copy of the book and become an exam room VIP because believe you me, exam room VIPs will be among the first to know how to get tickets for this event. So all you need to do is head over to pcrm.org slash exam room VIP to sign up. There's a link down in the show description and in the episode notes for you to do that, plus a whole slew of other benefits that come from being a VIP, including raising your health IQ to the next level and it's F-R-E-E, my friend. So you have nothing to lose and only your health to gain and uh, some inside information on this big event coming up on March 26th. So go ahead and sign up right now, pcrm.org slash exam room VIP. Dr. Barnard, as always, we conclude today whenever you're on the exam room live with a huge thank you to the Gregory J. Ryder Memorial Fund for their continued support of our program and the Physicians Committee because the work that they do is carrying on the love that Greg had for animals by promoting plant-based health and working to end animal abuse while also promoting systemic change and also benefiting people. A lot of good that, I mean, the Ryder Fund just does an extraordinary amount of work. And you can check out everything that they're up to at their website right now at GregoryRyderFund.org. That's Gregory Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R Fund.org. Log on, sign up for the newsletter. See everything that Allison and the team at the Ryder Fund are up to because Dr. Barnard, it is second to none. Absolutely. Greg was such a wonderful person with a warm heart and, and so compassionate. And Allison has carried that forward just beautifully. Absolutely. And sir, I would like to thank you today for all of your time, your effort, your energy. I feel like this was a really good conversation that's going to help a lot of people who are struggling as their significant other isn't quite ready to join them on their health journey, but they're watching. They're not ready yet but they could be. And so I think that we really helped a lot of people who find themselves in this position, especially at this time of year. Absolutely. If there's a lot to be done, you can help yourself, you can help your family all at the same time. And there is a link to the study in the episode notes, the hypertension and spouse health study. Very interesting findings. And I'll tell you what, if you want to continue in our love discussion and show a little love to the show, help us continue to grow, make the world a healthier place, take a minute, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows, look for the exam room by the Physicians Committee and hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star rating and a nice review. Go so far to help us climb the rankings so that when somebody's looking for a good nutrition or health podcast, boom, Here's the exam room at the top of the list with tried and true research that will not steer you wrong. Plus, from time to time, we read your reviews here on the show. And so in that review box, let us know how the show has helped to raise your health IQ or how a plant-based diet has improved your health. We want to inspire others and your story can make a difference. So go ahead, don't be shy about sharing, drop it in the review box, and we do thank you in advance. And also, don't forget, 
as long as we're talking about lovely things and lovely times. Don't forget the Power Foods Revolution coming to the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. on March 26th. Everyone who gets a ticket gets a copy of Dr. Bardard's new book, The Power Foods Diet. So that is the Power Foods Revolution, March 26th at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Chef Dustin Harder, Stephanie Ignafo, they will be there as well. Tickets are on sale right now at pcrm.org slash events, or you can click the link in the episode notes. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for being here and raising our health IQs. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. We'll be right back.